Yeah, no, it's it's always like that first. It's always that first, like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm dot 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, ah, oh, this question is so confusing. It used to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it used to be fine. I'm doing okay. Or there's yeah. always like some sort of a like I'm going through it, but it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Now I have like a, a very small existential crisis like all the time because it's we're all conditioned to say that and it's like not to be, a, it's just normal. But then it's like, it's like, wait, I have so much input on this. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. <laughs> it, it's good to see your face. I haven't seen you in a while. I um, know. Yeah, I just, I just, I, you don't really see my face. I guess I should make my face visible since you're doing the honor. Yeah, why not? Close my closet door. Trash. Um, Yeah, I just, I haven't really talked to anybody. Well, it's not that I don't want to. It's just like I'm kind of lucky to be working. So Mm. I'm one of those people. Yeah, 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 that's good Um, though. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's, it's been, it's just been like, Here's another week and I'm still living through no traffic and I'm trying to, I'm trying to find all the silver linings with it. Right. But also Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of friends who are having a hard time, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I think like I I had a zoom call with like, so I I teach fitness, but like if I, if I get the, the energy to do it, I could teach some classes online with them, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, it's a lot like there's a learning curve because it's going to be a little bit different. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I got to have a little meeting with like my, my coworkers and like, um, and I always feel like the oddball out. Cause I'm like this, I think it's probably my autism, honestly, but like I'm socially a little wonky and like they're more, I'd say like social butterfly types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they were just talking about how they were doing and what they were doing to feel okay and stay sane and stuff. And like, it was really impactful to hear a spectrum of people trying to figure out how to be okay and I, I just think that like the insights are coming in real time yeah. so you never know when you'll have a rough day or, or or even any any person who's going through this there's just no way to predict how mm-hmm. to take care of yourself the best way yeah yeah no I definitely hear that um so I'm gonna go ahead and introduce you to everybody yeah um just so that we're already on we're already in it so oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um welcome back to don't cast and drive here with me is Jane the message mostly yeah. in the San Francisco area of things uh not only that she is a rapper but she's also a dancer um and um of course you are hearing the nice interview styles coming from your host sometimes V. <laughs> so uh I'm again like I said I'm really glad that you were able to have the last minute time to just join join me today so thanks again. Um I usually just kind of like let everybody just kind of take the floor on like where they want to go with it. Um but I guess if you don't mind me asking the first question you are just so out there with admitting that you're you're autistic or on the mm-hmm. spectrum. So mm-hmm. not I don't know a lot of people who who like fully admitted or have been diagnosed. So do you want to kind of go into your adventure with that? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Um, thank you for giving me a platform to do that. Um, so I a lot of this kind of like came to be because of my music too. Um, so 
my music is very lyrically dense and uses a lot of metaphors and like I'd been writing either poetry or bars since I was like a little kid as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. So um, I finally finished my debut album. We've been kind of releasing it slowly. The first single came out um, a couple weeks ago and like the full project is going to drop, we're just saying June 15th. Um, But that album was clearly all things about trying to figure out what was going on with me and cope with it as an adult and just like in relationships, which is where a lot of the difficulties come up as well as like trying to manage adult life because there's often executive functioning impairments um, that become more obvious when you have to take care of small details for yourself. Um, So I got my diagnosis finally in just this past December, but I had pretty much speculatively been diagnosed by my well not diagnosed let's say let's say my therapist that I was seeing who wasn't an expert was saying like yeah that's plausible um so for a year I was kind of getting into this mode of like this has got to be it and Mm -hmm. then it got to a point where I had a stressor in my life where I I, uh, had a catatonic episode and I realized how close I had been to that in over my life and it, it kind of all I did a little more research. And I was like, you know what? That's got to be autism. That's got to be some sort of a shutdown. This, I need, I need a diagnosis to even be able to talk about this anymore because it's played such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like with my art, it's, it, I can't separate it from my music. It's mm-hmm. like, otherwise, I'm, what am I even talking about? Like it, right. it has been that. So mm-hmm. part, part of it was that. And then I think um, because I kind of fought to get the diagnosis as a woman, as a girl, like it's, it's just often presents very differently if you're a woman and, and you could present this way no matter what your gender, but I think society puts certain pressures on you and you mm-hmm. end up coping with it differently. So um, it's hard for women to get diagnosed and it's hard for people who present more in that way to get diagnosed. So mm-hmm. um, I don't want other kids to feel like I did or adults or any of that. Like I, it's, it's very hard and mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not necessary anymore to feel that way and to um, kind of have like this, this life that you have to keep inside of your house or like inside of your room or inside of a closet (laughs) where you're just like that's where I can melt down that's where I can try to cope with what my brain is doing all the time um it was just really important for my Mm self-esteem and also for a sense of purpose like I I I think the biggest uh takeaway I've gotten in this you know past couple months where I've been more immersed in it is a sentiment and I, I wish I could repeat who said it Mm-hmm. but I can't recall, but like, <laughs> but they said like, essentially, uh, people with autism want to participate fully in society. The concept of like people with autism or, or any neurodivergent sort of a mind um, want to be able to participate in society fully. And it can be difficult to uh, live up to the expectations that you have in my dog. Hold on. Let me, let me start this again too. We may need to edit. So. Okay. One second. Let me fix no, this. Okay. Your dog wants to be part of the picture too. I got you. Yeah, I'm gonna, here, I'm just going to give him snacks and then do our best. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you for your patience on that. Um, okay. So yeah. So uh, uh, let me try to say something coherent. Um, the idea of vis- visibility 
is to give people a frame of reference of where you're coming from so you can participate more fully in your relationships, in your job, in your society, in a way that's realistic for you. So the expectations are, are still challenging, but they aren't getting into the territory of like your impairment is just going to like, you know, go head first into this challenge and you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's something that's not definitely, I haven't been able to relate or not relate to because typically um from a from an old educator standpoint and i'm saying this as a music teacher that or even like an old swim teacher that i've seen kids and the behavior the more you see like a, a bunch of kids on different aspects of the spectrum uh mm -hmm. you you start to recognize like kind of like a not a proper diagnosis, but it's just like being suspect of what's mm -hmm. going on and then trying to channel your teachings based off of whatever is going on. So then that way you can cater a little bit more to that child's learning style, but I haven't seen it thrive in adults Yeah, or it's not as, as, um, I would say not everybody is as mindful of it when you're an adult and not, you don't have to like shout to the world that you have it, but it, I notice in just like a lot of communities, it's, it's, I would say like any behavior that might be influenced by such, it's not as mm -hmm. forgivable as being an adult, I feel like. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm running around with what I'm trying to say here, but if you need to correct me or like put me in a place where I can better understand it, like, please do. Cause I'm not talking from ignorance or I am talking from ignorance, um, but more so just ignorance so I can have a better understanding, you know? Yeah, you have a good read on it. I think that's I I think a lot of this is intuitive. It's like it, it's more the issue of like when there's a set of expectations and the belief it's not necessarily that everybody can do whatever the expectations are. It's more that like most people can. And then the belief that's kind of like sneaking underneath that is like if you try harder, you can too, which is what a lot of people with with autism or any sort of like um, a hidden disability or even a disability may, may internalize. And what ends up happening is uh, there isn't really a space for you to admit that like, or not, it's not even to admit, but to like identify to other people that this expectation isn't going to work for me. I need to do this some different way. And, you know, doing that process by yourself in this sort of like hidden way is is not necessary though if you have that kind of unspoken assumption that trying harder is the issue or you know like like, like i almost as a kid and, and as even as a adult had a little bit of a feeling of like oh well maybe people went through the stage that i'm in and then they went past it and i only now i'm really realizing that like it's like no i'm i've just been somewhere else this whole time <laughs> like like and you know, to get to see eye to eye, you have to kind of say like, hey, these are the qualities about my thinking and my behavior that are part of my autism. I can't get rid of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to, you know, like, like on top of that, like there, there's, there's no like, you know, better way to do it. It's like, it, it's not like ev the world tried an autistic way of doing things and then settled on a more neurotypical way of doing it. <laughs> You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, no, that's awesome. Uh, so tell me 
like I know you said that you you wrote a lot of rhymes and stuff as a as a kid and now you find yourself I mean obviously now you're a little bit you're tapping more into that into that creativity in your art mm-hmm. um how does your autism influence your music yes okay um so for me I I experienced what would be called like special interests where I'm able to hyper focus on certain uh, areas of, of like either study or like, I don't know, like artistic areas are, are really enjoyable for me. So mm-hmm. um, I am able to kind of make the sound like I make, I make my process right now is making the beat and then working with a really incredible producer, Jim Greer. And I'm starting to work with a couple other people too, in a collaborative fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, my musical training isn't directly uh, around like understanding musical theory or any of that it's just more osmosis as a dancer um so to get back on topic um (laughs) uh so you know like even when i'm making my music i get to hyper focus and like go into this this mental state that's very much a part of being autistic Mm -hmm. and uh it's really therapeutic so my music is is coming from a place of like this is healing for me and and in my writing um I have like a lot of emotional states that are confusing to articulate because I feel like they don't quite fit with the words that I've been given from my, like, you know, the general consensus. So I use a lot of metaphors. I use a lot of like um, idioms and and, uh, synonyms and kind of like figurative language to try to explain it. And that's something that I've done for my entire life like I've had pretty strong obsession with like words and and using them accurately to be able to describe things that are familiar to me but I don't hear like a concrete word for so my music has a lot of that in it what I really liked about when I first started listening to your music is that you were just very colorful as an artist um and what I like to consider is like you're kind of in the whole world of hip hop where you're giving hip hop kind of a more not like you're you're thriving what people are calling nerdcore, but mm-hmm. also like you're kind of making this whole art form your own. And I've told that to other hip hop artists too who are not in from like what the original genre has kind of derived from, where it's you know, it's obviously like hip-hop and rap is is a um hip-hop and rap was usually from uh it it's from the black community and it's Mm -hmm. just like how jazz is from the black community um but you you took it and you're just like owning it as your own art form but you're also like you're you are using a foundation to really what's the word I'm looking for using this foundation to really just like make it into your own thing which I've always thought was dope like you're not appropriating you're not uh you know stealing ideas you're not um trying to fit a persona which is from maybe like hip-hop from like 20 years ago Mm. you're actually keeping the persona of you but using rap to express it um so have you ever had any um I would say, has anyone asked you any weird questions on why hip hop? Like, I, I don't want to out you, but you are a Caucasian mm-hmm. uh, woman. Um, and 
you wear onesies. Like I see you walk around, you wear onesies and it's fucking adorable. But like, has anyone asked you any weird questions or have you had any like weird, like weird, I guess, discussions about why you picked hip hop? Yeah. So, okay. So I love this question and I think there's a lot of layers too. Um, I am in the Bay area. So people in general are, are like, especially if you look like you're kind of like a different sort of person like you're a little more eccentric which i guess i would come across as like i think people also are trying to make a little space to figure out like how you would talk about yourself rather than talk about you over you so that's just like i'm privileged to be in that attitude anyway and the bay area is like hip-hop community is very very fucking down and cool and just uh articulate about some more complex social issues which is amazing um so I started listening to hip hop when I was like seven because um, I feel like I'm going to repeat the story too many times and it's weird fable about me, but, but like I, I was getting bullied a lot and my dad gave me an old, like a Walkman cassette player to listen to like self-help tapes. <laughs> okay. Um, so my dad is probably also on the spectrum, just like putting that out there. But like, so I'm, I'm this like seven year old walking around listening to this Walkman all the time to feel okay. And I realized it had a radio on it and I flipped it over to KML and like, that was the first time I really heard any music besides like, I don't know, my dad played Beatles stuff and there was like classical and then Muppets or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I loved it and I thought that the music was clearly doing something that I had not heard done before and like, because like, I was seven, but like, but also because it's, if it's obvious that the art form is talking about um, representing your own point of view and it i think the marginalization of the pioneers of hip-hop is in the music as a form of like self-defense self-expression self-esteem um reclaiming your narrative like all of those themes are very obvious if you spend any time listening to hip-hop because that is the tradition that is the culture that is what it is so incredible for and I related to that as a kid. It was like a lifeline. It was like, this is music from the planet I wish I was on, where people are able to do this. And, and um, yeah, so, so like I loved it right away. And, and obviously there's like a lot of musical complexity that you can tuck into and rapping especially. You can rap over anything. Like it's, it's very liberating. It can, t it can take from any other musical art form and then make a beat out of it that like that's so liberating and on, on top of that you have this um culture like hip-hop culture itself has a profound meaning for why it exists and i think anybody doing hip-hop it would be nice if they tried to respect and understand that on whatever level they can and keep doing that and like i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of going off a little bit but like I haven't had too many like uncomfortable conversations because because it's like <sighs> there's Iggy Azalea she exists that's not great um, no offense but you know like there's there's a commercial commodifying of the lived experiences of marginalized people and that's part of it too so it's a really 
interesting thing that it spoke to me. I love it. It gives me so much. But also, I think like if if I bring up questions for people, I'd almost want to be like, cool, let's talk and let's bring in people that can say something even more insightful than I ever will, since I can just trade the platform over to a marginalized group now. <laughs> yeah, I really love that description of how you said that because you really took the essence of what it really is about versus versus like being too worried about like where it kind of culturally stands and in a way um that's what i think just what music is all about like that there there should be kind of like a sharing capability of it but also like understanding like what the essence of the genre is versus like oh this looks cool I'm going to try to live this one way because this is what I think this one thing is from. Like, no, you're more so encompassing it as, as your own story. Um, so I really like that. And like, like you said, like there is a commercialization aspect of hip hop mm -hmm. that is a little bit more borrowing of like from other people's experiences to kind of capitalize it as your own, um, mm -hmm. which I have noticed. Um, it's unfortunate, but there is a, weird uh <laughs> i love beyonce to death but beyonce doesn't live that struggle anymore but she right. will still capitalize on hip-hop and whatnot because that's that's her money maker that's what's making her rich and she's not gonna stop you know can't stop won't stop mm -hmm. now for not trying to say like what she isn't doing isn't um amazing and well produced like mm -hmm. you know but yeah, there is that kind of side of it too. And that goes for anything, right? It could go towards like any type of art form that kind of goes into that. Um, no, I really liked how you kind of placed all of that. Um, so tell me more about um, ballet and hip hop to me seem like two separate worlds. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your ballet adventures. Yes. Okay. So ballet, uh, I was able to get a lot of uh, insights out of getting my diagnosis. Like ballet was 100% like a special interest. <laughs> uh, I started it. I started it too late. I looked really young. So I just like worked super hard and I got real training. So I, I got, I trained in a conservatory in Canada. I trained with several really uh, high esteem schools in the Bay area. And like, like, uh, I don't know, like, I can be like, I trained at ABT and I trained, you know, like, like, cool things I got to do on for summer programs like so I, I have like real training and I got to do um some freelance dancing some like junior company sort of um experience as well um it's the art form is very uh how do I put this um technical mm -hmm. and the it's a methodical process and I love that about it but i also think of it very similar to like rap or even like spoken word or poetry where you have a language and then you have kind of metaphors and uh, this symbolic way of using a language so there's body language and then there's dance <laughs> so uh for ballet i i think a lot of it is is kind of teaching your joints how to move independently all at their full range so especially now um the way that people are trained the the standard is so incredibly high they're close to rhythmic gymnasts and their flexibility um the control is amazing so it's it's a good art form 
um, for any dancers to train in a little bit. And it's, it's, um, it's just a really cool art form that I've always wished was more accessible. Um, it gets you in your body. It changes your relationship with your body. You start to see yourself not as like um, a brain with like, you know, limbs carrying it around. <laughs> um, you start to see yourself as like, like expressive at every, you know, cell, every, every area of your body is capable of expressing something to another person. So it made me comfortable in my skin. Um, and it was just kind of my own weird little thing. I, I would like read books on it and watch videos and study and like watch YouTubes and then go to my classes. So it was, it was very um, intense thing. And it, it was one of the first things that gave me a sense of um, how to uh, like myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then for, for hip hop, it's like I hear music differently now because I think about, um, oh man, like in, in dance, you're, you're articulating different aspects of the music you might not be uh even on like the the four four beat of it or the, whatever it is you may not be um on the the metronome beat you may be somewhere with mirroring an instrument so i think i also uh listen to music as if i'm dancing to it a lot and that changes the dynamics of like the cadence i might want to use um so it's 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 like anything artistic does kind of get couched in our society and then the access to it gets restricted or changed or morphed but I wish more people got to do ballet it's I love it a lot and I don't think it should be this weird elitist woo-woo thing which it totally is <laughs> fun fact I I did administration for a, a dance department in college um mm -hmm. for a little bit um, I mean, all of the dancers there were like modern and uh, contemporary dancers mostly, but they still had to go through like ballet training. Mm -hmm. um, and it was intimidating because you just see these like beautifully like slender dancers and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not you. And then it's like, they give you directions. It's like, yeah, of course I'll, I'll do the directions. If I screw up, I feel like I'm just a failure. <laughs> 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 Even though it's for administrative work, it's so silly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I feel like with, um, yeah, I feel like with, uh, just dance in general, it's, it's a good, it's just a good way to, for anybody to feel a little bit more closer in touch with like their coordination and yeah. feel better about themselves. And it's like, oh, here's a skill I learned, whether if you learn it, like when you're early on or like super later, like it's not, <sighs> there's always like a cap to it, right? Like everyone tries mm -hmm. to apply like, oh, I didn't do that when I was like little. So they just say like, I'll never be able to do that, which is kind of like the weird Americanized like mindset yes. of like, if I've never done it, I'm not going to do it now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which, I, 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 I just like started to catch off, but like, like, for example, like I knew a woman who started like maybe 39, 40, something like that. And she's gorgeous now. Like she, and she, technically super good. You just never know what your body's capable of. Um, and with dance, like no two, if you, even if you train somebody from like, you know, three, like you're still an individual and you'll, no matter what, you'll move differently than another person. So it's like, there's something about honoring who you are in allowing yourself to learn to, to move in this way. And it's like, nobody can ever take it away from you. Once, once you've discovered that's part of who you are as a person, if somebody tries to like shame you for your body or for anything. It's like, no, I, I, my body can express itself my body has a voice 
and you don't get to poop on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no pooping here. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I think people should be, should be more looking more forward to like challenging themselves to do the next thing. Like it's, I told myself one day I was going to learn how to lift heavy weights and I learned how to do that. And it was pretty freeing knowing that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Let's see, even, even like doing really well, I think. Um, and when I say I think, I mean like I know. <laughs> um, I really love the birthday show that you put on in um, in San Francisco a while back ago. It was like you were like the ringleader of all these people who were just like super talented and I freaking loved it. Um, did you have any shows that were supposed to be coming up but canceled because of the beer virus or excuse me for COVID. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The beer virus. Yes. (laughs) I hadn't heard that yet. Um, Yeah, I did. I did. And like, uh, you know, a lot of my album rollout plans, like this is exactly when it happened. So like I was trying to, you know, build up shows around releases and like planning music videos and uh, yeah, it's all got to be reformulated, which has been hard. And like, I don't know, the first couple of weeks of this were really, really hard for me. So I'm sort of only now getting to a place where I can come up with the plan B that I've, I didn't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like, like having festival stuff and like um, conferences, lots of things that I was planning to do are not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, and how, have you done any like digital um or digital more like streaming performances or anything like that I've seen that you've done a couple of like oh, I'm still dancing and here yeah. here's like something I've been working on or how to stretch my body but like how has, has there been any offers for you to do any like like virtual gigs yeah um yes I I got to do there's a a a quarantine showcase um forced to fly on instagram helped with that and then there's a group i'm blanking on of course um i think it's is it community speaks i want to say that has been organizing those so there's that's really cool and i think they're still doing those weekly um so i got to do one of those i'm going to be doing one with ill exotic uh, another barrier awesome hip-hop kind of like electronic duo um, so that's going to be May 1st. So there's a show for them. And then um, I feel like there's more that I'm forgetting now. But yeah, people are, are starting to organize them. Uh, I, I, I'd be nice to organize one myself now that you're saying this. I was like, wait, hold on. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I, I think we're going to probably have to come up with uh, like a like a, a second way of being a performer just just in case this lasts forever and also well just you know but just in case we have something like this again and I was even thinking like doing performances from your home or like you know that can be streamed for someone else's home would be really good for people that don't like to go to venues um which would include a lot of people with autism so so I was like wait this is kind of cool um so I'm excited actually to do more of them yeah yeah I mean, it's cool. I, I've been seeing everyone just pop up online doing their grind. I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, it's like the internet turned into cable again. I can change the channel and see who's doing the thing. Yes, <laughs> that's so right. 
And like, and I feel so bad when it's like, okay, I have a friend doing this. Like if, like, if it's you or it's like, I know, you know, Exotic's been doing a thing and I have a couple of other friends who are just DJing and I'm like, okay, they're all doing it around the same time. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, and I'll sit there and watch it for like maybe 20 minutes and I'll go to the next one and watch it for another yeah. minutes. And it's not because I want to cut out of like that one person's set. It's because like, it's because everybody else's shows are happening at the same time. Right, show. right. Well, and I've done the same thing where like, I, there's like two in a row back to back and I, I, I'll go to, you know, both of them and like kind of, you know, bounce in between a couple. I've done one where I, I was on my phone on one and then on my laptop on the other. And like, but like I've gone to gone to more shows than I normally do. <laughs> because it's there. It's like yeah. oh, it's all on one screen. <laughs> I can do it. And and like it's it's cool too, because like sometimes I I don't manage my my energy or my overwhelm and I'm I can't do social anymore, but now I can still go to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of dive into? I know we've both done a few diversity panels together at conventions. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about on that aspect? Yeah. You know, I, I hope that people right now are taking some time to look into mental health care strategies, um, because any stress that you have to your brain your body your nervous system is going to require you to know how to handle it like that like as my belief anyway as like a species as an organism we're really just trying to figure out like what's what's going on in our environment what's going on in ourselves and how can we stay safe and you know move towards some goals that matter to us and something like this can really throw off the ability to feel safe or to move towards goals and that can like kind of hurts you on a human level. So um, the the field, like I'm a big fan of psychology, though it's an evolving field. And like, if you look into the history of psychology, it's real weird. <laughs> like like there's, there's, there's some dumb stuff there, some not good dumb stuff. But um, neuroscience is awesome. Um, I'm really excited about stuff coming out of neuroscience. So I've been spending time reading that, uh, like just getting caught up and just feeling really... Um, hopeful for the future of like resources for people to manage their their health and I think a big thing about this pandemic too is like it just stopped our regular way of life um, which is weird and we didn't know could happen but uh, I think you know I'm I'm kind of like into one day where we'll be like Star Trek or something and like have this awesome society but we can make choices about like how we organize our um, our cultural norms, our expectations of people to be healthier and, and to even be more successful. So um, this is a really cool time to learn about that, which uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm being too woo woo, but like, I think that we as a, as a, like a culture, like as a human culture, which we're getting to be because we're so much more connected, can use this experience to solidify some goals uh, and have some higher um, ideals for ourselves and get, get beyond some of the terrible things that have defined our species in the past. That's super, that's a lot. <laughs> 
no i agree i think and you know it's great like next month is like mental wellness me- mental health awareness oh hell yeah <laughs> So uh, with that being said, I think it is a good time for people to really realize um, taking, taking some ownership over like the, how to take better care of themselves since we're our, since most of us are in isolation or um, only keeping to ourselves with maybe like two to three people during this whole thing. And like, maybe the only time we really see other people is like, if we have to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good for First of all, I'm I'm a huge huge advocate for people spending time by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like there's such there's such a weird I'm going to go to the other side of this, so don't get me wrong. There's such a weird dependence with having a companion um mm-hmm. or having someone there that a percentage of humans often forget that like hey, we can manage ourselves without having like a co-pilot always there. Yeah. Um, but also the other side of it, I think will really help us like, you know, establish those better relationships once we're ready for them. So hopefully like taking the time, um, uh, by ourselves will really help people reflect on that. Like, you know, you don't need a partner, but you probably should learn how to grow with someone who is qualified to be grown with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, I think, being able to communicate what you need to is getting to be more realistic and possible. Like both like every, you know, everyone being kind of on the same page to talk in language that supports figuring that out and also being able to figure out maybe like for me, it's autism really. That's a big part of like how I can explain to people where my needs may differ from their expectations, but everybody has different, different needs and, and nobody's a mind reader. So yeah, because I feel like just like everyone took this as an opportunity, like, oh no, I'll never see anyone. But really, it's like this is actually a good opportunity to really reflect. So now that like it's getting closer to actual like mental health month, what are some five top five like on the spot tips that you would want to tell somebody? Oh heck yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love this. Okay, okay, yes. Oh wow. All right. Uh Hang on. I got to grab a notebook for this. Oh, 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 we got to go into deep cuts. I got, I got this. Okay. So a couple of things. Um, first off, like trying to shift from like an inner focus or sorry, to an inner focus of control from an outer focus of control or outer locust, inner locust. I've messed this up already. That's okay. But essentially what it means is, uh, you know, trying to think about the things that you have the ability to change or to modify and to, to pay more attention to those actions that you can take than to pay attention to things outside of yourself that you have very limited ability to change. So like you may be able to change things outside of yourself, but make sure that you're doing a lot of things that are inside of your control to change and then you won't overwhelm yourself as much. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, um, I'm really into asking people about their emotional state now um being able to like talk about your emotions is really important and you might want to work on emotional granularity which is a concept from this book how emotions are made also maybe tip, tip number two is read the book how emotions are made tip number three is um just build your vocabulary of emotion words so that you can understand where people are coming from you can help them to articulate it and in the future it'll actually help you to 
uh, come up with the emotion you need because they're actually kind of like made on the spot. It's cool. Read the book. And then, and then <laughs> um, I think uh, for me as an autistic person, but I think a lot of people could benefit from this. Like um, autistics use stems a lot, which is like some sort of an object or a thing you can do that's repetitive that can help to soothe and like process emotions. But like essentially it's like a tactile sensory thing you can do but you could also do things like people stem with music or uh sense so like when you're struggling or you need to like process something or like help yourself to a mood for work i've had that just suggested do things that like appeal to your senses that can really help you um just to like calm yourself and regulate yourself like a lot of a lot of things are about like how to regulate your emotions better and then like the fifth one let me think of one what what would i say that helps me um being honest tell people you do not need to have a facade that like is socially acceptable if what's actually happening for you is not that it's it i think that unless if there's like if there's a super big reason you can't do it i get it but like as much as possible for your self-esteem being able to say that the way i am is actually fine because i am a human and apparently humans can be like this I like it. That is definitely more than the standard. Create a routine. Do some stretches <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> that's oh, all no. I have right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not necessarily true. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, and this is um, what I notice is like, I kind of notice a divide. I just want to reflect on some of your points. So I'll, I'll go backwards. Like being honest um, about emotions and whatnot is, it's a big thing that it works really well with people who are designed to be your friends. Um, but it doesn't work so well in the workplace. Yeah. Um, I've been told multiple times by those who are older than me. Um, I won't name which workplaces those have been, but that they always say like, if I, if I get like a hunch, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not like number one complainer or anything like that. Like I, I typically do all my work and like a day goes by and like, I don't sometimes like there's weeks before I come up with a complaint. But if I say something, finally, someone's like, well, you just need to get thicker skin. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So this is obviously not a spot for me to be truly honest. Um, Mm -hmm. Sounds like that I'm just being shushed away. Um, and it has, it's not the first time. It's like, it's like every time I present like a genuine concern, I'm like, Hey, this person is, uh, you know, really getting into my personal space. And I told them to back off and I just need to confide in somebody about this. And then I'm told to shush, be shushed away. And it's like, this isn't good. But so that's what it's really like hard. It's like when you're spending eight hours in a day, um, Mm -hmm trying to find a way to be honest in your workplace so you don't feel like you're, you know, you're trapped shut. I think that's really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not impossible. Like there's always Mm going to be your other coworkers who are going to be supportive of you and Mm -hmm. will always like have your back and like, we'll always find ways to like, kind of just like support, like, Hey, I know how you're feeling and I want to make sure you feel like that you are doing a good job and blah, 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 which is really nice. so being honest does go a long way. And then also you are not penting up so much energy, right? So mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. energy that you have pent up because you're, you're trying to find ways to evade your honesty is like, it, it can be really damaging to yourself. Yeah. It's really stressful. I, I think that uh, there, there's always like a social 
reality that's built around like people's beliefs and norms and like what they think works for people but Mm -hmm. like it's it's like it's all based on this thing it's like I don't know like almost like it's weak or something if like things that actually get to you get to you it's like but they do and if if there isn't some way to deal with it and you know it's I prefer being direct but I understand that's not realistic a lot of times like it's much harder to deal with something if you're being told to pretend it's not happening and being essentially gaslit um so you know even having spaces where you can be honest if you have a space where that's just not a part of the culture and to express like that you disagree with that culture i think um is it's yeah i don't don't have like all the answers for this at all but i do think (laughs) you know, it's, it's conversations that need to happen for sure. Right. Exactly. Um, and then going backwards from that, like kind of having like a repetitive, uh, activity that you can do to maybe I'm taking it as like to kind of recenter yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I need to get, I need to geek out onto why it works, but like, even as like babies, we all self-soothe, like rocking and all that, like sucking your thumb, like, like, you know, we tend to stop doing it as adults or we don't maybe notice when we're doing it and um the more stressed out you are the more likely you would be to do something kind of repetitive Mm -hmm. and um i think that as far as i understand the theory is like with autism you get like sensory overload faster so they're you're just doing it a lot more than the average but everybody does Mm -hmm. and it's like uh i i think it has something to do with like just getting your nervous system like more relaxed so like getting out of like fight or flight essentially right Um, yeah like i have a fidget cube and that's kind of my favorite i just like click the thing a lot um and and, like even walking is repetitive (laughs) so so there's like uh you know just geeking out on stems i should probably have done that before rambling too much but it's it's (laughs) interesting yeah no i think it's something that's like needed i think um like my, I think maybe just to kind of find my re- repetitive activity, like if like a fidget thing is like, I'll scribble on like a side piece of paper. So yes. that way, like, and the scribbles are not like, I'm going to destroy this paper. It's more like, okay, so here's like a little cute, like curly design I'm doing. And here's another cute curly design I'm doing. And I just kind of fixated on a set on a second because it's like, it gives me something to feel like I will, excuse me, I'm a little bit more balanced. Um, yes. And, and then building your vocabulary repertoire is so important. Yeah, like your emotional uh, vocab, just building on that is, it's really, really, really important, I think. Mm-hmm. Because there's more ways to express how you're sad or just how you're sad or like just to kind of help build, like, you know, understand the gravity of your emotion would be helpful. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not enough just to objectively say like one adjective, you know. Right. And it, and sometimes I, th- I think uh, in the future too, it, it doesn't give you as much insight. So like if you're feeling that feeling again and you were never able to identify it in the first place, it's, it's not very empowering. So like just assume that whatever emotional state you're in, you might be in it again and having a more refined understanding of what it is will help you to understand the situation you're in and yeah. how it differs. And like, you know, it's just, it helps you to be a lot more, um, you know, like proactive. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, 
asking about emotional state is really helpful for me. Um, I do that with everyone. I say, how are you feeling? Um, and it really gauges like what type of person that is um, yeah. or who I'm yeah. interacting with. Exactly. Um, I've had experiences with people who kind of like grit through their teeth or they're just like, <laughs> I'm fine. But it's really like the body language that's associated with how they say things. Mm-hmm. Um, or like someone who feels like maybe that their emotions are never acknowledged and you know, it's like, hey, how are you feeling? Or like, you know, tell me what's going on. Or it, those are like kind of gate, like gate opener questions. And it could be like, but really, how are you feeling about the situation? Right. It's always exactly. good because like it can really help build the relationship between you and that person, but also help problem solve. Yeah, totally agree. It's like super well said. It's, it, yeah, that covers so much of it. Yeah. Let me grab my dog one second. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Stop it. Here, just, just sit with me. Let's just sit over here. Oh my God. Okay. All right. He's, he's ready to go to the park, I think, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> Can I say hi? Yeah. Hi. hi. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> His hero is yapping. <laughs> um, and then my last one I just wanted to quickly reflect on is just like your outer focus to your inner focus or vice versa is really good because it really helps you again channel your emotions where are they going how to refocus yourself I think these are like really good strategies to really help center your mental health in general so then that way um you know you can thrive a little bit better in society or in isolation however that you need to do it exactly exactly and self-knowledge helps you with self-advocacy because if you know what's going on with you then you can tell people what you need. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So Jane, tell me how people can find you. Yes. Okay. So uh, I do, I have a website, janethemessage.com and like there's a Facebook. Um, Everything is pretty much under Jane the Message. Uh, You can find me on streaming stuff. Uh, There's going to be more music drop pretty much every three weeks. So anything you listen to, TikTok on there. Um, and then uh, the only thing that's different is my Instagram is Ninja Janie, N-I-N-J-A-J-A-N-I-E. And that has a lot of random stuff, some mental health, autism stuff, cartoons, dance, random. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I like people. So follow me on things, please. <laughs> and then when do you, and then just repeat for everybody, what's your next uh, thing, whether if it's online or in person? Yes. Uh, so May 1st is going to be the Ill Exotic show. So that's the next thing coming up. Um, I'm also dropping another song May 5th. And yeah, I think those are the two big things coming up for me. Yeah. Nice. I'll be able to share your show with Ill, Ill Exotic on my main uh, Facebook page. Hey, so awesome. In case if this episode's not out before May 5th, <laughs> dope, dope. at least I will be doing some promo for that. And also Ill Exotic are such good people. I, I love them. They've yeah. been amazing. They're YouTube right now. Oh, it's helping. That's, that should be one of my tips is just watching their YouTube. It's so good. <laughs> Mental Health Mondays. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Well, Thanks again for sitting with me on my podcast. Again, this is Don't Cast and Drive with your host, Sometimes B, and as well as Jane, the message as my guest. Thank you so much. I'm like distracting my dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a good week, guys. Yeah.